Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
infinite love you love all of creation with endless compassion our prayers you hear place your words on our hearts share your light with all nations father in heaven have mercy upon us and keep us dear
JM in the AM, Tuesday morning. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us from around the world. Much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to the uh, Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, here we are on this Tuesday, March the 24th, day 28 in the month of Adar. Today is the 12th yard side of my father, and I thank those of you around the world who've been acknowledging it in many different ways. I thank those who've been donating uh, to help support us here at uh, JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, our 2020 campaign. In his memory, thank you very much. You can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you. Ava Rabba, done by Sam Glazer, Eitan Katz with Gale. Gam Kielech is done by Derek Achim. You heard Shmuley Unger and Macha Bracha. Adon Alam, that's Danny Palgon, Dovi Shapiro with This Is My Home. And, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 38 degrees, 84% humidity, winds are west at 7 miles an hour, mostly sunny and a high of 57 than tonight. Partly cloudy, low 41. Tomorrow showers, high Wednesday, 47 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 63. We're at 38 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Yeah, I don't know why the weather matters that much, frankly. <laughs> it's funny. I can't think of too many other times in the last 35 years that I, I felt that there was just no necessity to announce the weather forecast. The majority of people obviously are not going outside. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how different this world is. Since the 12th of March, right? I think it was the 12th of March that the real groundswell of um, of isolation and the recommendation to isolate began, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was that day, um, two days after Purim, and then um, and then the next day was the day that the shuls basically closed, right? I think that was the wasn't it Friday? I think it was Friday that the synagogues began to, and eventually all closed. That was the 13th. Today we stand on the 24th, so it's uh, 10 days since that declaration. Um, and uh, let's hope, let's hope that all this isolation is helping uh, curb the uh, deadliness and the potency of this coronavirus. We'll speak that today's a big medical day. Um, you know, it's one of our purposes is to encourage the community to keep these restrictions and regulations and to get updates from people who are in the know. Dr. Stuart Ditchick will join us, 7 o'clock hour. Uh, Dr. Menachem Maimon is going to join us from Seattle, where you know you know what the reputation is in Washington State, that it's uh, almost as bad as New York um, and certainly was the hub of uh, coronavirus activity for quite a while in this country. Uh, he'll join us from out there in the 8 o'clock hour. Sivan Rahav Meir. Ironically, I think our friends at Mizrahi are already going to be on a different show because they're going to be with us between 7 and 9. But at 9, I'm going to extend JMM a drop to accommodate her schedule. At 9, Sivan Rahav Meir is going to join us, get her impressions of being in America at this time. And uh, that's where we stand here on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, that's not a medical conversation, but that is a uh, an interesting conversation. I'm sure many of you want to hear her on this topic. Um, so we'll do that coming up. And just checking, what did I think? Ah, so Rabbi Kanelsky will join us. That's going to be interesting tomorrow. Erev Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Rabbi Kanelsky will join us by phone. I wonder what he'll say about the holiday of Pesach. Someone said to me yesterday who normally is asked on a regular basis from Purim to Pesach about Pesach questions, they said to me yesterday they have not been asked one Pesach question yet. 
because nobody's focused on Pesach right now, as we know. And um, it's going to be a very different Pesach this year, as we know. Certainly different than any of us ever thought. JM in the AM Tuesday, 28 minutes before the hour. Uh, at the top of the hour, both Galitzal, Israel Army Radio News, and at the top of the hour, uh, you'll be able to uh, join Facebook Live. Uh, we'll share it, of course, Nachum Siegel, uh, Facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network, so we'll share it there. Um, Mizrahi has a Zoom um, session that they include us in between 7 and 9 a.m. now on their schedule. So we're basically the, the presenters, you know, at that time, which is cool. So we'll do that coming up here at the, the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, all right. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Sitting in the hot desert sun You've been told You'd be on the run Down to Egypt To Pharaoh's town To Rome and Spain And many other lands But you open your door to tired men Lonely passes by And angels from heaven Your kindness and your care Were known far and wide Father of a nation Your soul is alive Abram Are we the children that you dreamed of? Are we that shining star Call you a Venu. Our Father, our bride, we got your soul inside. Take us home. Take us Every test Now look a small show In the Midwest A child was born Just the other day And all those gathered there Heard his mother say All oh, it's been three thousand years And we've been fighting back Father of our people, your dream is alive. Abraham, are we the children that you dreamed of? Are we that shining star you saw at night? You know it's true. 
Vayehi, Vayehi,
in the AM wrapping it up wrapping up hour number one with Malchuscha from Diaspora here at JM in the AM uh, welcome those who are uh, tuned in through Mizrahi our friends at World Mizrahi are uh, simulcasting our 7 to 9 AM portion we have a big medical uh, show today with Dr. Dietrich joining us Dr. Maimon's going to join us uh, that's going to be the theme of the day Rananu was done by Shalshelis Jr. You heard Barry Weber in there with Yachad. Michal Przanski's Amechad. Achenu from the Deer Shoe album. And Avraham, that was eighth day here at JM in the AM. 38 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 57. Hello to everybody around the world. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at AchimSingle.com and the AchimSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Still a six-hour time difference between uh, the New York area and Israel. I think they had considered keeping standard time in Israel for a while to keep people off the streets, less daylight, less people on the streets. But apparently that plan fell through. So apparently this coming Thursday night uh, they will go to um, – Daylight saving time as originally planned. That's what we've been told, at least. <laughs> or at least what the news sources are reporting. Um, all right, so that's going to be uh, still a six-hour difference until we get into the latter part of this week. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast. Excuse me, one p- after that whole speech, 1 p.m. newscast for a Tuesday follows next. We say Poker Tove from JM in the AM. 
גלי צהל מירושלים השעה אחת, שלום רב, כאן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הממשלה צפויה לדון היום בצהריים בהגבלות החדשות על הציבור. השר דודי אמסלם מהליכוד מספר אצל אמיר איבגי, ראש הממשלה נתניהו מוביל לסגר מלא. אין מנוס מסגר מלא? זה הקו שראש הממשלה מוביל, אני חושב שהוא נכון. אני מבין ואני מפנים את זה שהמלחמה בנגיף הקורונה הוא באמצעות בעיקר בידוד והרחקה. לשם הולך העולם ומדינת ישראל מקדימה חלק מהמדינות בשבוע, שבועיים. וגורמים במשרד התחבורה נגד הכוונה להשבית את התחבורה הציבורית, גזירה שהציבור לא יעמוד בה. מדווח כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ניתאי ענבי. גורמים במשרד טוענים שכל עוד אין הסגר מוחלט, התחבורה הציבורית צריכה לפעול. אפשר לדבריהם לצמצם עוד קווים, להגביל עוד צפיפות, אפילו להתנות נסיעה בהצגת אישור. אי אפשר לצפות מעובדים במקומות חיוניים וממטפלות בקשישים להתנייד. הגורמים הוסיפו, אין ברשותנו נתונים על מקרי התאבקות בתחבורה הציבורית. שרת התפוצות ציפי חוטובלי שהתה באחרונה סמוך לסמנכ"ל המשרד שאובחן כחולה קורונה ותיכנס החל מהיום לבידוד למשך שבוע. נתוני האבטלה ממשיכים לזנק, מאז אמש נרשמו בשירות התעסוקה יותר מ-30 אלף בני אדם. כתבתנו ניב יגור. מספר דורשי העבודה חצה את רף 600 האלף, שיעור האבטלה עומד כעת על 18.6. בשירות התעסוקה מעריכים הבוקר כי עד חג הפסח יהיו כמיליון מובטלים בעקבות המשבר. גרמניה תסייע לישראל להוציא מפרו את 23 הישראלים שנותרו שם, ולאחר מכן יסייעו להוציא ישראלים גם מניו זילנד ופיג'י, כך פרסמה פרשניתנו המדינית הלל שחר. סטלה ראפ, ראש אגף הקונסולרי, סיפרה בגלי צה"ל, ננסה לשתף פעולה גם עם מדינות נוספות. בתחילת המשבר לפני כעשרה ימים פנינו לכל מדינות אירופה בבקשה להסתייע בהן, מפני שברור שאי אפשר להוציא מטוסים על כל חמישה או עשרה או עשרים מטיילים שמצויים ברחבי העולם. קופת החולים כללית הודיעה ל-200 דיאטניות על הפסקת עבודתן. מביא את הפרטים כתבנו לענייני בריאות מאיר מרציאנו. דווקא כשמאות אלפי ישראלים נמצאים בביתם וסכנת ההשמנה גוברת, כללית החליטה להפסיק את ההתקשרות עם 200 דיאטניות עצמאיות. במכתב ששלחו עשרות רופאים מהקופה להנהלה, נכתב כי הדבר מהווה פגיעה קשה ביכולת לתת מענה למטופלים, ויש לדחות את ההחלטה באופן מיידי. מכללית נמסר בתגובה, העבודה מותאמת לצרכים והביקוש מהשטח. עליות חדות במסחר בבורסה בתל אביב, המדדים המובילים מזנקים ביותר מ-6.5%. כמו כן, אין ירידה כעת באף אחת ממניות החברות הגדולות במדד 125. מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות בערים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Hallelujah, 
JM in the AM, uh, Olam Chesed, done by Matt Dubb here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, selection by Avramel, Avram Fried, and Hallelujah. want to thank those who are uh, donating to fjbunity.org to keep us going here at JM in the AM and the Nachum Single Network in memory of my father. Today's my father's 12th yard site. I posted on Facebook. By the way, you can tell from the way the microphone's working that i got to get ZK into the studio somehow <laughs> to, to fix this thing that keeps moving on its own. Uh, I just don't know when, because at the moment, I'm the only person allowed in this studio. And how how long will that last? Who knows? Um, anyway, I thank those who are donating to um, fjbunity.org in memory of my father. Much appreciated. Today is his 12th yard site. Keep him in mind, Harav Zev and Harav Yosef Halevi. And I thank you. We did find an authorized minion uh, and I got to thank the friend of mine who took care of that. We did find an authorized minion in the United States that uh, was, in fact, open, and they were able to say Kaddish last night and this morning. So I thank them very, very much. But um, it was just one of those fluke things where there happened to have been a minion. But I guess there's nothing, uh, nothing coincidental in this world. Anyway, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, I thank you, and I thank those who are donating in his memory. I posted on Facebook the segment that he, when he spoke about this radio show, minutes before he died, as crazy as that is, and those of you who know the story know exactly what I mean. Um, and um, I'm sure, I'm confident that what we do every day continues to make him very, very proud. Arav Zeb and Rav Yosef Halevi. I want to thank our friends at Mizrahi. Uh, they are simulcasting us on Zoom, their World Bait Midrash, and at the same time, the Mizrahi World Movement has uh, a Facebook Live video going that we just shared at Nahum Siegel Network. The only thing you're going to be missing today, and that's why eventually everybody who's listening, make sure to turn over to our uh, primary sources because Sivan Rahav Meir is scheduled to join us at 9 a.m. So um, at that point, you want to be at NahumSiegel.com or on the NSN NahumSiegel Network app or uh, on our listen line at 605-562-4400, You want to make sure to uh, be with us past 9 o'clock, and I thank Mizrahi, who's carrying us for two hours every morning, which is quite a compliment, and I thank them very much. 
Uh, listener Ellie says, great to see the OIC did well in the election. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to go through the results in a minute. Trucker Yitz says, Boker Tov. Haven't heard from Trucker Yitz in a while. Uh, listener Benny says, Nahum, keep that music playing. Listener Anita says, we're listening from our apartment in Rehovot. May your father's neshama have an aliyah. Thank you, Anita. And thanks to everybody who's tuned in in Israel. It's one of the rare times. I, I've been trying to think of a comparative situation. It's or a comparable situation. It's one of the rare times when everybody in the Jewish world, and obviously the world in general in this case, but everybody is going through the same thing. You know, often you know, we'll have a snowstorm or blizzard in the New York area, and we're talking about it for obvious reasons. You know, a lot of listeners around the world can't relate to it. Um, I mean, I guess weather situations would be the, uh, you know, the primary thing. Or if there's a, um, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Maybe the funeral of someone very prominent that, you know, hits a certain community very hard. But this is one of the rare cases where the entire worldwide Jewish community is going through the same thing and experiencing the same type of uh, experience together. That makes it extra special that we're able to broadcast and attract so many people every single day and at the same time expand our listening base by partnering up with Mizrahi and... uh, you know, those who want to, um, and including Zoom, you know, we include Zoom in our uh, in our Thursday live lunch and likely in other areas as well in the near future. So it just makes it for a very, very cozy experience on this very, very small globe. <laughs> Whoever thought that someone would consider this globe so tiny. Um, so here's what happened. Where do I have? Oh, here I have it. I have it on the main screen. Uh, the results of the election. I mean, to say that Mizrahi did well is uh, an understatement. Um, Mizrahi did remarkably in the uh, in the WZO election. Um, here, let's see exactly how we how we could do this here. Um, I really had, I really had the entire list right in front of me like a minute ago. I have no idea where it is now. (laughs) Hang on. It should take, it should take a quick search or two to find this. (laughs) Um, okay, here we go. So on the world Zionist, uh, election, the, um, the vote reform movement, and again, you know, we, we've we discussed over the last couple of months just how organized and historically just how committed um, that segment of the community is to voting in this election. So they ended up with 31,500 votes. The big change and the big news and the, and the news that's so important to us is that the Orthodox Israel Coalition, Mizrahi, of which I am on the slate, Miriam Wallach is on the slate, please God, we should be October in Israel, assuming things really start to get back to normal, please God. It will be October in Israel at the big uh, convention. 21,700. I mean, it was 21,698, but you get it. Just under 21,700 votes, which is amazing. Um, Eretz HaKodesh, who I believe the Mizrahi would consider a partner in many of the things that we are uh, promoting and many of the things that we're concerned about. 20,023 votes. And by far, those were the three largest parties. Also, as you could see, this block, this important block that I just described, um, almost 42,000 votes. 
So a very, very big victory. A very, very big victory uh, overall. Um, the election results, we emerge as the leading Orthodox slate, 21,698 votes, second out of 15 slates overall. And uh, it really is a tremendous accomplishment. I had seen somewhere, I don't remember where where I saw it, I had seen somewhere the statistics of how many more people voted than in the past years. Um, in terms of how many people voted, you know, for specific slates in past years, and that was another amazing accomplishment for Mizrahi, that our numbers were way, way up. Oh, I think I know where I saw it now. Our numbers were way, way up, and um, let's see here. Uh, received 21,698 votes, 152 U.S. delegates that will be chosen. Yeah, here's what, here, listen to this statistic. Listen to the statistic. OIC, uh, which I believe we were uh, officially under vote Torah last time around, 9,500 votes. In this one, in this election, 21,698 votes. That is quite a difference. That is a, uh, I think I think Rabbi Daron Peretz, when he was here in the U.S., I think he actually set that as a goal to double participation among the uh, the Votora crowd. And in a way, he more than doubled it when you think about it because of the alignment and coalitions that uh, that we can be part of. But just on the OIC, it's amazing, from under 10,000 to just under 21,700. It's pretty cool. A big thank you to this audience. A lot of people voted. A lot of people in this audience voted. And we thank you. It was a... Um, a great victory for vote Torah in the parliament of the Jewish people. That's for sure. Uh, JM and AM, Dr. Stuart Ditchick, who has been extremely vocal regarding what's going on uh, with the coronavirus situation in our community. We'll speak with him coming up. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dogs, Sausages, and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954. Available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H. Today, I also want to remind you that our friends at Artscroll, if you utilize the, uh, this microphone is driving me nuts, uh, if you utilize the promo code radio, uh, if you utilize the promo code radio, you save 20, uh, 15% off of both the Rebitson book about Rebitson Junggreis and the uh, brand new Rabbi Krohn book uh, at the uh, Magid's Seder. Check it out by going to artscroll.com, artscroll.com, use promo code radio, you'll be glad you did more coming up. Yeshiva boys at JM in the AM. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Stern. How's everybody doing? 
That's David Stein with the Yeshiva Boys Choir from years back. Tuesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Well, there's no Yeshiva League sports update today. Usually Tuesdays 
at 720. Elliot Weiselberg. By the way, his father's yard site is also today. Um, we remember Mr. Martin Weiselberg on this uh, Tuesday morning. Um, usually Elliot is with us on um, uh, Tuesdays at 720 to, you know, review what's been happening in the uh, Yeshiva League, basketball, hockey, etc. Well, like all the major sports leagues, the Yeshiva League is basically postponed slash canceled at this point. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if there'll be a restart or any type of uh, May or June activities. Uh, if there will be, obviously, Ellie will be back. But um, that's the status of things right now. It's usually Tuesday, Yeshiva League Sports update at 720. And obviously, we passed on it today. JM and the AM, um, again, I thank those who are contributing to our cause and keeping us going at JM and the AM in memory of my father. His yard site is today, Harav Zev and Rav Yosef Alevi. If you'd like to uh, contribute in his memory or, in, or for any yard site that's going on during this period of time, uh, you can go to uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. You'll see sponsorship opportunities, and you can honor someone who... Uh, whose yard site is being observed. Again, that's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zeb, Rabbi Yosef Halevi, again, whose yard site is today. And Zechonishmas Esther Bas, Rabbi Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It's interesting to note that when Hashem tells B'nai Yisrael to take revenge against Midian, afterwards, Moshe Rabbeinu, All right, my apologies for that. Not quite sure why the uh, why the sound cut out on Rabbi Goldwasser's on Rabbi Goldwasser's um, words. Let's see if we can at least get. E- even though we're gonna we're gonna if this works, we're gonna end up repeating what we presented yesterday. But still, I would like some divrei Torah from Rabbi Goldwasser this morning. In honored memory of our Rav Zev and Rav Zevalevi, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. In the days of Rabbi Zera, the government issued a decree against the observance of any mitzvah. They also decreed that the Jewish people were not allowed to observe any fast, for instance, a fast that was decreed by the Chachomim in case of a drought. Rav Zera instructed the people to promptly accept upon themselves a fast, and when the decree would be annulled, they would then observe the fast day. The intention was that in the great merit of a Kabbalah, accepting the fast upon themselves, it would be considered as if they had actually fasted. The people asked Rabbi Zera, how do you know this to be true? Rabbi Zera quoted a Pasuk in Daniel. It says in the Malach, the angel said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, because from the first day, that you set your heart to understand and to fast before Hashem, your tefillahs were accepted. Daniel had accepted upon himself 21 years of fasting because the king halted the rebuilding of the Beis Hamikdash. Another example of the power of Kabbalah, making a resolution, is found in the Talmud. We learn in Brachos that Rav Huna had 400 barrels of wine that turned to vinegar. Rabbi Yehuda who was the brother of Rabzala Hasida and other Chachomim, 
came to see Rav Huna. Others say that it was really Rav Barahavu who came with the Chachamim. They said, let Rav Huna see what is the reason for his loss, as we are instructed by the Chachamim that in these types of situations, one should inspect his deeds. Rav Huna responded to them, Am I suspect in your eyes? They answered, And is Hashem suspect of punishing without the proper justice? Rav Huna then said, If there is anybody here who heard something or knows something about me that I should correct, let him come forward now and speak. They told Rav Huna, We heard that once the master did not give branches to the sharecropper. The ruling is that when the branches are pruned, the vines are shared equally between the owner and the sharecropper. Rav Huna replied, The sharecropper took them all from me. He took more than his share on a previous cutting, and therefore Rav Huna withheld the sharecropper's quota the next time. The Chachamim responded, If you steal from a thief, then you will feel the taste of stealing. Although Rav Huna's point was true, he was nevertheless forbidden to withhold the sharecropper's allotment. Rav Huna immediately said, I accept upon myself to give him the share of all the branches that are remaining. A great miracle then occurred, and the vinegar turned back to wine. Others say that the price of vinegar climbed, and the merchandise was sold at the high price that wine was usually sold for. Such is the power of a Kabbalah, to make a resolution to do a good deed. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Children laughing as they play The trees start singing without warning It's gonna be a wonderful day You know I got no patience for complaining To stop and fetch about all the bills I have to pay Cause even when there should be sunshine but it's raining My feet will dance me to the Kretschma anyway So man is Blessings, they're coming, but you keep on running. Just stop and sing.
the golden world created just for you. So how are the kids? We hope for the day when the whole world will stand up and say, JM in the AM, Benny Friedman. Yerd Harasha there at the JM in the AM. Tuesday morning broadcast, Dr. Stuart Ditchick has been uh, very outspoken and on the front lines in this whole coronavirus situation, especially as it relates to our community. Uh, he's an amazing doctor, world-renowned pediatrician, founder of uh, Kids of Courage, author. If you want to look up his credentials, go ahead. <laughs> You'll find them all over the uh, Internet. For us, he's uh, somebody who's an important voice in the Jewish community, especially whenever we have a a medical situation, but uh, especially now during this coronavirus uh, epidemic, pandemic. Dr. Stuart Ditchick, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. My mother thanks you greatly. <laughs> she likes the <laughs> intro, huh? Um, well, uh, let's start with this. You have been um, extremely vocal, rightfully so, about um, uh, gatherings that uh, you would deem and the uh, federal guidelines would deem and uh, the World Health Organization would deem inappropriate, whether it be uh, the weddings that may have been going on in our community, Minyanim, certainly. Uh, first of all, do you, do you know... Based, Still are going on. Yeah, that's what that's... I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask, do you know if people have finally decided to adhere to the rules or not? You know, we are, it's getting 
better every day, Baruch Hashem. I, I, I think, you know, I, I've never, as you know, I've never been a social media person, right. but in the last uh, 10 days, I, I've been able to get the word out uh, to communities about how to deal uh, with noncompliance in, you know, in peaceful but yet firm ways. Uh, and I get messages from all over the country at this point. From uh, Right now we're dealing with primarily the New York, New Jersey area. That's where the epicenter is. Uh, but there is, this morning I have in my email box and my uh, instant message box on Facebook, I now have 11 notifications of shuls that are still open, of large gatherings, minyanim. Uh, there was some big weddings last night again. Uh, uh, there was one that had to be shut down in Tom's River, I heard. I wasn't involved in that. Uh, Flatbush, we had tents going up uh, this weekend. Borough Park, there's a wedding at Pupa last night with large numbers of people, I was told. I hope it was broken up. Uh, you know, so this is where I don't have time at this point to deal with these individual situations, quite frankly. I'm dealing with critically ill patients right now and seriously ill patients. So it's unfair to ask of me to do that. So what I've been asking people on social media is to empower as communities and shut these places down. Go to the leaders, go to the rabbanim who are involved with those shuls or those individuals. You know, yesterday I got reports, and, and this was shocking, <clears throat> that in Borough Park they, people were accessing, because it was raining outside and they couldn't do outdoor minyanim, they were accessing ATM machine indoor areas and, and utilizing them for minyanim so they could put their tefillin on the table. Folks, I can't say this any further. If you daven with a minion right now, you're committing an avera. You are committing a sin by davening with a minion. Don't you understand that? That's such a critical message right now. And we have to get that message to our brothers. All the Rabbanim, all the Gedolim have paskined at this point. And we didn't need them to paskin. We, we needed to act quickly in this case because the, many of the Rabbanim agreed with this early on. You need to listen right now. When you daven with a minion, you have a great likelihood because you spend a significant amount of time together. Uh, you may get coughed on. You may touch a surface which has a COVID droplet on it. And then you're going to bring the infection to somebody else. Who'll bring it to somebody else? And then grandma or grandpa gets COVID and they end up in the ICU with an 18 or 14 or 13 percent chance of dying. Uh, we're dealing with dying patients this morning. I, I can't even impress mine. I just spoke with an ICU nurse at one of the major hospitals in the city, and it's dramatic. I mean, there are terrible things going on that we need to address right now. You know, but we I, need, before we I need I, to lock it down. I want to go to to obviously we have to go to that topic, and I want you to to report to us what you know on that topic. But I just want, I want to close out the first thing for a second. You know. I, I, I know of people who were at illegal minyanim this past Shabbos. Forget about the weekdays for a second, mm -hmm. but obviously Shabbos people feel you know that that, mm -hmm. they, that they even to a greater degree have to violate the law and violate halacha. Um, and I said to this person, you know, he has a whole bunch of kids at home. I said, don't you care about your children? Don't you care that you may bring back into your home this this deadly disease? Right. And and, and sometimes. The, the, and, yeah. you know, the important thing, though, when you say that, fortunate, thank God, Baruch Hashem, Hashem is watching over our children because overall children don't get terribly sick from this, right, if, unless they're a high-risk child. But Baruch Hashem, they don't. But that child can now pass it on innocently to somebody else. Like their grandparents. Yeah. Correct, correct. That's the point. And 
I have more news for you. It's more likely that the father will end up in the hospital. We're right. seeing large numbers of young people, 30 to 60. We did not expect that age group to be hospitalized as much as we're seeing in, in our experience. Our experience is different than China. It's different than South Korea. It's different than Italy. We have different demographics. We're a bigger country. We're a different country culturally. So we're seeing different issues than each of the countries has seen. Spain right now is a repeat of Italy. They're seeing different issues. So it's important that what you're telling that person is 100% correct, and I, I can't impress upon By people. By the way, enough. one other thing I want to mention on that topic, the I'm sorry for interrupting, but um, you know, I, I went back to my emails to see when it happened. Most of the major schools in this country that closed closed on Friday, the 13th of March. Do you know how much more of a risk everybody would be at if, God forbid, those schools would have been open that Chavez? Nahum, I put out, as you know, uh, a very public statement begging people not to have Purim parties, uh, not to have um, Purim Saudis with anything other than immediate family. Do you remember it was published publicly? Yeah. I put it out publicly. I was ridiculed, ridiculed by not only um, Rabbanim and community members, but I was ridiculed by uh, some physicians who actually said, what do you mean, Purim? Everybody gets together Purim. Right now, we're seeing I have a critical patient in the hospital, a father, who was exposed on Purim. We, we tracked down the exact exposure. Two, weeks, a Purim, two weeks ago today. Yeah, uh, at a Purim, uh, yeah, at a Purim party, actually, yeah. uh, on McGill and Knight. And we're now seeing large number of cases that were exposed on Purim. So f for the sake of God... Please listen to what we're telling you. The doctors, the experts know what they're talking about here. You know, there's debate we'll talk about later. There's debate between President Trump and the econ economists and the doctors right now. We have to address that as well shortly. I, um, I heard from a father, a, a college friend of mine, so imagine how long we know each other, uh, on Sunday who was calling me to tell me how horrified he is that his son is in the yeshiva in Yerushalayim. That, that had on Sunday, I don't know what's happening today, still 400 guys studying in the Beit Midrash uh, during the day. And, and, he, and he begged his son to get out of there. And, uh, you know, and, and by the way, the posake for the Rosh Hashiva of that yeshiva, at least according to his father, and he was told this by his sons, I'm assuming it's somewhat accurate, the posake has told the entire world to shut down every shul and yeshiva. But the Rosh Hashiva, supposedly, that went to that, this is the excuse he uses, went to that posake and asked specifically for his case, and he said, okay, if you want to keep it open, you can keep it open. Like People are, so, make, are making it up as they go along. So this is why, and this discussion should take place after the pandemic, once life normalizes. But let me tell you, I, I'm going to be open. You know I always speak openly. This time I think I've spoken more openly than, than most. There's been an abdication of leadership in the firm community. We have to face that. Um, there was an abdication of leadership at the most critical juncture in our Jewish history currently. That abdication of leadership, I will address personally. <clears throat> I don't know if they'll listen, but every gadol I have ever dealt with in my career, and I can go down the line, Rav David Kohn, Rav Wozner, Rav Gavriel Tsinner, I mean, every Rav David Feinstein, years, over the years, all the poskim I've ever dealt with, and I've dealt with Almost all, Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach, years ago on genetic issues, every post I ever met with asked me extremely intrusive questions about the Shiloh, mulled over the Shiloh for 
sometimes hours or days and would come back to me and with further questions and further questions. And at the end of the day, 99% of the time, the POSIC agreed that the medical opinion was the overriding correct opinion. So we need to go back to that system again. We cannot have a system now where we have VADs of Rabbanim who override physicians. And this, this started with the anti-vaccine movement. I'm sorry to bring it up. When the va- anti-vaccine movement got certain Rabbanim to stand up and say, yeah, it's okay to allow unvaccinated kids in school during an epidemic, that should have been the red flag that now yeah. we, have a, we have a division between doctor and medical opinion. And, and again, I'm a novice when it comes to this, but traditionally, at least the way I was taught, Growing up, you know, doctor versus rabbi on medical issues, eating Yom Kippur, et cetera, et cetera, usually defer to the doctor. You know, I sit every year with Rav, Rav Gavriel Tzinner, the Nite Gavriel, well-known posek and, and mechaber of the Nite Gavriel, beautiful person. And I sit with him every year, Erev Yom Kippur. We take phone calls and faxes from all over the world on medical shilas and fasting and halachic shilas. 99% of the shilas he turns to me or the, any other doctors he uses for this conference, and he says, tell me what you think, and then he poskins. That's das Torah when it comes to medical issues. Right. Dr. Stuart Ditchick's with us. All right, tell us, it is now Tuesday morning here in the New York area. Give us the update as to what's happening. I did notice that, that some hospitals already are expanding, whether it means building their own tents or, or uh, asking, asking the government for facilities that they could use to expand their operation. But what's the reality? What's the truth about what's happening out there? So let me, let me address two parts of that reality. Number one, Baruch Hashem, the federal government is now kicking in big time in New York with supplies, God willing, in the next few days uh, for personal protective equipment. They are building four very large field hospitals, one of them at the Javits Center, as you know, uh, the National Guard is assembling them as we speak. There will be sophisticated hospitals that will be able to unload, in many cases, the local hospitals. In other words, they may not necessarily have to take care of all COVID patients there. Uh, they may take care of other patients who need care so that the more sick COVID patients can be in the hospitals. Uh, so that's number one. Thank God for the federal government doing that. Uh, many hospitals, i.e. Maimonides, uh, here in Brooklyn, have set up alternative buildings where they're adding beds and staff, and Maimonides did prepare very well for this. I have to give them credit. Nice. Uh, so, you know, hospitals are doing that. They're restructuring uh, uh, hospitals completely. They're making floors that were previously used for other purposes now being used for COVID patients or to move regular patients there and let the we have to remember that during this crisis it's not only covid patients that need care you still have people having heart attacks you still have people having strokes you still have people who have infections who need other care so hospitals are retooling their own systems um, i will tell you that there's help on the way on the ventilator front we're trying very hard i'm personally involved with a project now i can't release publicly that information but uh, we're uh, currently just awaiting our federal approval. Uh, the uh, federal government has given a process to groups who are able to fix certain problems, uh, and I'm part of a group um, that is now working on the ventilator issue, my task force team that I've been part of the last three weeks. So I don't want to talk about that publicly yet because I don't want to give a false impression. We're working on it uh, currently, and actually my next 
two weeks. That's my primary focus right now. Because there's um, so many patients that are going to need those ventilators. They are needing them already. We're seeing. I have a father in my practice who was intubated in the last 36 hours. We're seeing a huge amount of ventilator demand. We are somewhat running out of ventilators at certain facilities, but help is on the way. The United States government is now building new ventilators through private industry. Uh, there's a lot of ventilator projects going on right now. It's dramatic. It's on the level of how many tanks and uh, weapons they had to build during World War II to defeat the Nazis. That's the level of the, of the national movement now in the private sector. Wow. Um, what I do want to comment on, and it's important, and I want everybody to hear this clearly, uh, <clears throat> I was asked uh, last week, uh, days ago, by uh, the community here in Brooklyn, part of community, who was amazing, by the way, who've complied completely, their primary my practice. Right, Dr. Dietrich, the, the phone is breaking up. I don't know if it's a, if it's a cell phone or no, what. No, I'm on a regular line. You hear me? Okay, now we hear you. Go ahead. So I was asked by members of the Sparta community about 10 days ago if I would consider heading up building a field hospital here in Brooklyn. Wait, who are, you, who are you just praising? Who are you saying? Oh, the Sparta community. Okay. The Sparta community in Brooklyn, I have to tell you, uh, uh, at the beginning, there was a little rocky road with some elements. Right now, they are the most compliant community in the United States other than Teaneck and New Rochelle. <laughs> they're very good. They've been locked down, and they've been following uh, all the directives. They're, they're really, they, they've, they've done this beautifully. Okay. They came to me. They said, we want to build a field hospital in the case that we need more beds, more ventilators. I told them, every resource you take away from the hospitals to do that, whether it's ventilators or staff, uh, is going to create tremendous amount of animosity, number one. Right. Number two, it's not pragmatic, because every critical patient, you don't just put them on a ventilator and walk away. Every critical patient needs minute-to-minute -minute care. And if you take those resources away from the hospital, uh, you're going to hurt other people. So they made a smart decision not to do it. Yesterday, I was sent a video. I was told of a group in the five towns or Queens that was trying to build a field hospital in Sharyashov, and the state is, uh, they had gotten a lawyer, and I'd spoken to a number of them uh, initially. I spoke to Rabbi Heshi Billet about it. He was opposed to it, as most people are. Uh, you can't just put up field hospitals. You can't just take care. We're here to take care of the Klal, and we can't take away resources from other hospitals. We can't take away resources from where they belong. We're not going to abandon patients. It's not going to happen. The Jewish world will never do that. But putting up our own field hospitals without approvals that come from the federal government and the state level is inappropriate. Wow. Yesterday, I was sent a video. It was verified at Shar Yashiv that individuals started throwing up electrical boxes and put manpower in beds, and, and they were shut down. I am told they were shut down by the government, that it was immediately stopped. Please, folks, we're going to kill Jews with anti-Semitism than we will with coronavirus if we do the wrong thing. Right now. Uh, I, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish your phone would not have broken up on that one. It sounded like you said we're going to kill more Jews, God forbid, with anti-Semitism than with the coronavirus. Yes, and you quote me on that. That is direct, and I believe it a hundred percent. You know who's saving the United States right now? Let me hear. Leaders in Israel, Teva Pharmaceuticals, the generic drug maker, uh, just shipped last week. I'm told 10 million hydroxychloroquine tablets to the United States. It was donated to the federal government. The feds are stockpiling it and will distribute it when, it, when it's really in need. 
<clears throat> the Israeli government, the Israeli hospitals have sent me data on, and I published it, I put it out on social media, early data of their experience with critically ill patients. Well, what is, what is it? Is it why, why are we waiting to distribute it if, if, if this is, in fact, a medication that's going to help these uh, victims? Number one, we don't know that this medicine is appropriate to use in large numbers yet. Mm. So the CDC is appropriately uh, doing very rapid live studies right now. That One of them is going on at Columbia, as we speak, Columbia Presbyterian. They're doing large live studies, which means we're studying it as the patients are getting sick to see if it's safe. It is not a drug that is without side effects. There are side effects. There are people who will have bad outcomes from being on the drug, mm. so we need to make sure. I happen to be utilizing the drug right now for my highest-risk patients when they're sick with coronavirus. However, who's at the forefront of getting millions of doses to the United States? Israel. Right. Yeah, who's sending true. us information? Every country is sending us information now, but the Israelis have our back, and we have theirs. Dr. Stuart Dietrich is with us. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, and the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I interrupted you. What's your final thought on that? My final thought is let's do the right thing. We have No, no, you, I meant on that specific topic. You said Israel's cooperating by sending data. and So I Israel is doing the right thing. They're locking the country down. Right. They're doing the best they can. But at the end of the day, the solution for coronavirus will come from the great minds and the great clinicians and the great members of the Jewish community worldwide. And we're going to beat this thing as a community, and we're going to beat it for our country because I want people to admire what the Jews have done for this crisis. Do you also sit and wonder in the in the few moments that you have to sit and wonder during the day or night maybe how long this is going to last? You just mentioned Israel is locked down. We know what's going on here. I mean, you know, many of us regular people, Dr. Dietrich, <laughs> unlike unlike the heroes like yourself, many of us Not regular people, many of us regular people keep thinking you know, with specific benchmarks, you know, we can do this for another week. We we could probably do this through Pesach because of the way, you know, the calendar falls and, you know, everyone else already mentally preparing for a much different type of Pesach. And frankly, most people don't work, you know, the entire holiday of Pesach. So it's not like it would be an unusual situation. But, but do you sometimes wonder, both here and in Israel, how long this needs to go on in order to be completely effective? Right now, the data that we have, both from the work group that I've been part of with the, Dr. James Lawler, who, who set up most of the models that the CDC is using or has used, <clears throat> most of the data uh, indicates that we need to lock. The slower this thing happens, the more critical patients will be able to care for on a case-by-case -case basis. Dr. Dietrich, i, I got to ask you a favor. If you could just reconnect with us. I'm not sure what the problem is with the phone line, but you're saying so many important things. I don't want to lose it. If you could just reconnect with us, that would be amazing. And we'll wait here for a moment as we reconnect with Dr. Stuart Dietrich. We're talking, obviously, about coronavirus with very important updates. An uplifting word from Dr. Dietrich about how people in our community, both in Israel and uh, it seems in the United States as well, are at the forefront of this whole effort. Go right ahead, Doc. Hi. Nachum, do you hear me now? Now we hear you. Go right ahead. Okay. If we are very fortunate, uh, you know, the data the, of the working group that I've been working with, Dr. James Lawler, his model shows that if we allow this thing to accelerate quickly, many more lives will be lost. 
we need to drag this, this infection out to the best that we can with the non-pharmaceutical interventions of social distancing. We need to drag this thing out from weeks to months. And what that means is that we need to be on the current recommendations if we're fortunate and they do work and we don't know yet if they will. But we need to be on it right now for, in my opinion, for a minimum of four to six weeks, in my opinion. Uh, if we're lucky, this whole thing will slowly go through our communities and our states over about a 9 to 10, 12-week period. If we're lucky, if God is good to us, this will be a 9 to 12-week event in the United States. If we're unlucky, it'll be a 3 to 6-week event, in which case we will lose million, uh, not million, well, we could lose over a million lives or more if it's a three to six week event. So the projections, the numbers are dramatic based on how quickly this thing goes through. Normally, we want things to be over quickly, right? There's a fire in your kitchen. Sure. You want to put the hose on it, put it out quickly. Here, we want it to simmer and smoke for many weeks and weeks so we can gr gradually handle the ICU patients who show up who need critical care ventilators in the hospital. But the, that but, is why right, yeah. the comment by the president last night, I think, was directed to give optimism to the stock market, but not the doctors who, who, are, who, who are running this at the head of the task force. They know the truth. The truth is we need to keep people indoors right now. We need to let them go out shopping, let them go out to the drugstore, but otherwise you stay inside. The economy will suffer but it will recover. If we lose a million people or two million people, God forbid, in the United States, we will never recover from that. It'll take us years, right. generations. But by the same token, I have seen you know, economists say that if you let this go on under you know, close to current circumstances for three months, the economy will never recover. So you know, there has to be, and I think this is where, again, you know, the president was trying. I don't think he did too good of a job, but was trying, I think, to express that balance that we have to— you know, be vigilant on the medical side, but we also have to be realistic in terms of reopening on the economic side. Now, but based on what you just told, Correct. based on what, and, you and I trust that the president will follow the medical advisors and his economic. I trust the. President. Oh, I, I would bet. I would bet that the two sides are going head to head with each other every single day in the White House. I would they bet. Are. And I do trust President Trump will do the right thing. But let me. I, I but, we, but, we but, but based on, and I know that it's you know the twenty fourth of March, and I know that you know we have a long. <laughs> this is going to change twelve times in the next twenty four hours. I know that. But based on what you're saying, you know my my scenario that I'm painting, of you know people, I think mentally and hopefully economically can make it. Let's say through Pesach, for argument's sake, you know if most people could do that, please God in our community. The way you're presenting it, you know, things might be loosened extensively by May 1st. It's possible that that. You know. I, I think that would be. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say I think that would be a mistake, but let me tell you what I really feel. I feel that it needs to be reassessed every 12 to 15 days based on data. Right. What the mistake that every clinician and epidemiologist is fearing is that if our interventions work and we see a decrease in the rate of the number of cases, uh, then everybody's going to jump back in the pool and we'll see a resurgence and we'll go through another round right. of loss of life. That's the fear. So I think we have to calm down, reassess every two weeks or so, and let the experts tell us what the right thing to do is every two weeks. All I right. think that's the correct approach now, now rather than, hey, 
guys, we're going to be back in the pool on May 1st. I don't think that's correct. What I will say, just so people know as well, I don't think in New York, unless something positive changes super dramatically, I do not think there will be summer camps this summer. Uh, I'm told that Sullivan County has already withdrawn all summer camp permits this summer. That's what I've been told by some state officials. That's the correct thing to do right now. Uh, because if we reopen camps before this crisis is over, we'll get a rebound again and large numbers of deaths. Well, I, I mean, look on the on the summer camp thing, and believe me, you know, you know, you, you know where my sympathies lie when it comes to the topic of summer camp. Uh, but I basically have told you know certain directors, I've said, you know, you don't have to make this decision; the state's going to make it for you. So it's not Correct. like you know, unlike the Pesach programs, which for a while people had to make their own decision. Obviously, in the end, we know what happened. Right. But unlike well, you know what happened there is I put that statement out weeks ago that people may need to make alternative plans for Pesach. I have to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever gotten I, I don't think I'm going to be a speaker at any Pesach program anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> that I believe. I could name a million other places you're not going to be invited to. Don't worry. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we'll go down the line someday. But I but my but, days of but in, speaking but outside in, this are over. But in all <laughs> but in all seriousness, a camp director doesn't have to struggle with what should I do. The decision is going no. to be made for them, and then they, of course they have to adjust. And uh, and yeah, it's, and, it's, and the state will not tolerate any violations of that as well. Oh, of course no. not. And, and they, by the way, even community wide, they would not. Get, I don't. I would hope they wouldn't get away with the violation of that anyway. But look, look, we got to get to the most important topic: our brothers and sisters. You're on the front lines. That we see the numbers skyrocketing in New York. Does that? And remember, I'm isolated. Everyone thinks I'm in the know because you know I'm speaking to thousands of people every day. Somewhat, I'm somewhat isolated in hearing the same news everyone else is. Are the numbers climbing like crazy? Does that re- and I'm I'm not talking about now you know blame I'm simply concerned uh, are, are 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 the yes, num- the, are the numbers, numbers are so high because because of our community I'm sorry are they, I didn't hear the last are question. the numbers are they... climbing in New York because our community's numbers are climbing like crazy Well look either way if if we did the right thing throughout the entire Jewish community in New York our numbers would still be climbing because we have a larger population density that's why the measles crisis was worse by us. That's why mumps was worse by us. We have larger, we have closer contact, daily minyanim, chavrusas, davening schools that are more crowded, and, and people who live in many more numbers in apartments. And, so, wedi- and weddings every night. And weddings every night. So our population density puts us at risk. And by the way, that's why I was asked by my task force to present the data early to the Jewish community uh, almost three weeks ago I don't even remember how, maybe two weeks. I don't remember it. I'm so exhausted. They wanted it presented to the Brooklyn community because they knew Brooklyn was going to be an epicenter, and it is the epicenter. So, yes, we are at greater risk, and the numbers are climbing. What we're struggling with right now is the Williamsburg and Borough Park communities. Uh, They are overall, many of them are complying, but nowhere near the numbers we need. The streets are crowded. There are people lined up. The other day, there were pictures of people lined up in shoe stores, one on top of the other. Kids, women in strollers piled knee-high everywhere. Borough Park and Williamsburg need to lock things down. We are seeing huge numbers. And by the way, in those places, people are running for tests who don't need to get tested. So the numbers look even higher from those communities. That's why they've drawn the attention of the federal and state government, because we're seeing huge numbers in those areas because a lot of those clinics are inappropriately testing non-critically sick people. And getting positive so, results from people who are not symptomatic. 
Correct. And, and by the way, 98 plus of people who get this infection will fly through it, Baruch Hashem, no problem. But so what, but what, but once the, the numbers are high, but once the, the numbers being high, but once we the, care to protect the ones most vulnerable. But once the neighborhoods, and I hate to be, you know, I hate to say it like this, but once those neighborhoods that you cite, or any neighborhood in this country that's not, you know, paying attention, once they see people literally start to drop dead, don't you think that'll be a wake-up call? Nachum, they're they're dropping dead already, unfortunately, and they don't seem to be listening. They are stubborn. I spoke to many leaders the last week. Uh, I've gotten minimal attention. Some of them literally scorn when I when I call them. Yeah, you're overblowing it. Eh, Nishkafelot is not a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal for 98% of the people. It's a huge deal for the for the small number who will die. Uh, small numbers who are going to end up in the hospital, meaning the 1% to 2%, right. and, and many of those will end up on ventilators. So I'm telling you, there's a certain lack of leadership in those communities. Uh, there's a population that's stubborn, and I have to tell you, I, 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 I am just thoroughly frustrated, as is the health department. Uh, you know, I'm very close with members of the health department, certain uh, the assistant commissioner. You know, I've been on the phone uh, with the health department every day, and they're shocked at what they're seeing. They're sending enforcement officers. Uh, yesterday, there was a tent put up in Williamsburg for good intent. They put up uh, intention. They put up a tent for distribution of Pesach food. Beautiful, right? We want people to get yeah, food. Yeah, of course. So what did people do? As soon as it started raining, minyanim, rolling minyanim started occurring in the tent. There were minyanim going on in the morning. The health department, I'm told, had to send enforcement officers down there. Why are we doing that? Are we... Are we just not realistic? I don't know. I can't answer it. The numbers are exploding in New York, yes. People who are staying away from it, who are high-riskers, are doing fine because they're locked up, the old folks and the high-riskers. However, that is going to change as the numbers expand and more and more people get infected. If today is, is, if today is like yesterday, how many people in our community are going to go to the hospital today? I, I can't answer that question. What I can tell you, is that we're seeing more and more ending up on ventilators, uh, more and more. Last night, because that's, 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 that's when they call you. That's when they call you. That's when they call you in desperation. A thirty-five-year-old with minimal risk factors uh, to Methodist Hospital intubated. Uh, there's, we are seeing more and more of those young, healthy, thirty to sixty, ending up on ventilators now, and there is a risk that we may have underestimated. The uh, the exact age. If you see Doctor, I think pronunciation is Doctor Bix, one of the people doctors heading the task force. Yeah, she was saying last night she was focusing on seniors and right. maybe we're not going to see as many young people. I, I disagree with her. Locally here in Brooklyn, at the epicenter, we're seeing more young people in the 30 to 60 range that are ending up on ventilators, and that's true in Lakewood as well, where they've now had a spike of cases. With Lakewood also non-compliant. Uh, in many instances, totally non-compliant with the directives, Lakewood has now seen a spike, and we've seen a significant number of young people intubated in Lakewood. Couple of halachalamaisa questions, if I may. Yes. This listener says that clinics cannot test for COVID nineteen. Is that true or false? Who says that? I'm sorry. A listener of mine says clinics cannot test for COVID nineteen. Is that true or false? Anybody can test for COVID-19 if you have the swab and the viral preservative. Second. However, oh yeah, go ahead. Meaning you can send it to commercial labs such as uh, Quest or Accura, uh, AccuReference or LabCorp. 
here's the problem. So many people who don't need to be tested, the number one question I've gotten, even from my patients who are well-informed, is do I need to get that? Do I need to get tested over and over? The answer is no. You don't need to get tested. If you have the symptoms, you likely have the infection. Isolate yourself. What's happening with the testing program is that now that the commercial labs have been overwhelmed with requests for tests, the patients who need testing have a delay in turnaround time. I sent the swab on a very important, I already started the patient on treatment, but I, I needed to figure out some issues with contacts. I sent the swab last week on a patient. It's now day six, and I still don't have a result. And I was told initially 48 hours, they said the reason for the delay is that the government has correctly, the state has told labs to prioritize tests on hospital patients and those reagents and all those other uh, things that are needed are focusing on the sickest patients for testing now. So by people clogging the system, by local clinics here in Brooklyn setting up pop-up tents for walk-ins, for people to just walk in and get tested, they're hurting their brethren. Understand you don't need to get tested in routine situations. Don't get tested unless it is absolutely indicated. And as far as I'm concerned, the only people who need to be tested right now are very sick people who show up in the hospital and are likely to be admitted. And let me just add why they have to be tested. We know they have the infection when they get that sick. We need to test them because if in the rare case they're negative, we can save on protective equipment and using up their space in an isolation area in the hospital. So there's a chachma to who gets tested. But what's going on, not only in Brooklyn, throughout the United States, Everybody is running into these driving sites to get tested because, hey, I'm curious. I want to know. I got to know. You don't have to know. I can go. I'm a healthcare worker. I can walk into any hospital in the country right now and say, hey, I'm Dr. Dietrich. I want a COVID test. They would take out the swab and test me. I haven't gotten tested because I don't need to get tested right now. All right. Thank God. Uh, secondly, if someone walks into a doctor's office, because there are some doctors and, and there's certain appointments that have to be kept, obviously, at this point. And, and is handed a mask, and, you know, it's really the only mask that the patient would ever have because they don't have any masks at home. Is a mask reusable? Could someone take that mask home and wear it the next day if they go out shopping? They can. Uh, listen, we're dealing with non-ideal times, right? We're, we're doing things we've never done before. I'm writing drugs that are off-label. I'm giving advice I've never given before. Sure, you can reuse a mask if you have to. In the office, I have such a shortage of masks now, the N95 masks, which are the ones healthcare workers should be using, that I've been reusing the same mask for days at a time. Wow. Uh, I'm not happy about that because it's not fully protective days at a time. But I have no choice because if I went through one mask a day, uh, I would have been out of masks a week ago. Second so I need to hold on to enough that I have enough for, for the next nine weeks. Secondly, uh, someone asks, and it's, I don't know, maybe, I mean, there's no question that's silly, when, especially when it's sincere, and I never thought of this. Someone wants to know, if they come in from outside, is it better to change their clothing uh, or be vigilant about washing clothing that was outside? What would you say? I say that if you're in a hospital, if you have to be in a hospital for some reason, you know, and you come home, yeah, you should change clothing. If you're a healthcare worker and you come home and nurse a doctor, you should change your clothing. If you're the average person and you went shopping, I don't see the need in changing clothing. It could be a, it's, it's a humor that maybe people can hold, <laughs> but I certainly, there's no downside to it. Understood. Uh, finally, um, 
uh, someone alluded to, alluded to this yesterday, and then I gave them a call to tell them that we're going to be speaking about them. Uh, tell me about the chesed that people like the Burnbaums at J Drugs are doing. Ronnie and Larry are, I, I can't even tell you. Malachim are not, it's not a high enough term for those two people, what they have done. You know, the, the, I've seen, my kids are courage organization. The amount of chesed being poured out to the kids who are isolated at home right now, I, I want everybody to go to the Kids of Courage Facebook and Instagram page and see the push-up challenge that the counselors are doing for the kids and the hilarious humor that they're instilling in the lives of these children right now. The acts of chesed go on and on. You know, I said on, I posted something last night, I'm sure you saw it on Facebook, about the beautiful acts of chesed going on in our world right now. For every bad act, you know, somebody who's setting up a pop-up minion to put others at risk, there's a hundred or more good people who are doing great things. And I, I can't even keep track the number of acts of chesed that I'm hearing about. Uh, people have dropped off masks at my front door. Um, you know, people calling me and saying, do you need medicine for your critically ill patients? I'll help you get the medicine. It, it's just on and on and on. I, I, it's, that's why I know that the Jewish world is going to solve this problem, because we are the community now that's committing those acts of chesed. And people should highlight that publicly. That's what I'm talking about when I speak to other doctors from around the country, from around the world. I spoke to a doctor in Italy two days ago, and he asked me how things are going in Brooklyn. And I said, thank God I live in the Jewish community and people are taking care of each other. And he was brought to tears because he said, I wish we had that here. I wish we had the numbers of acts of charity that you're seeing. It's not quite that way in every part of Italy. So the Italians are great people. Don't I love Italy, but they don't have what we have, which is the DNA. We have the gene of chesed. And during this crisis, that's why I was upset when Jews uh, in our community were hoarding food at the first few days. I begged people, don't hoard food. You're going to make people elderly go running around looking for food who are going to be exposed. So now there's, I don't see any hoarding going on in Brooklyn. People are shopping respectfully. They're menschlich to each other. They're offering people, if they took one extra to offer it to somebody else, I saw that personally. So we really are the light of the world right now, and I want the world to see that light. So please keep on doing those acts of chesed. It's, it's critical right now. It, it, it's the only thing keeping me going is seeing those acts of chesed. And uh, you had mentioned to me that if there were two shout-outs you could give, it would be to Jay Drugs on Avenue J in Brooklyn, and New Age Pharmacy, you also yeah, mentioned. Yeah, Jonathan at New Age has been incredible as well. These are these are just, uh, listen, there's many others, but Jonathan at New Age and, and Ronnie and Larry at J Drugs, these are the best of the best. There's no higher than these people. They are working 24-7, and, and they're they're saving lives, and they should be commended for it. All right. Uh, uh, I want to just yeah. add nothing, one critical sure. thing, if you don't mind. Sure. There's been many questions about the use of ibuprofen with COVID. I've been asked that question, interestingly enough, the first day two weeks ago when I was asked it, I said to people, there's no data, but certainly there's some concern, and I would vie on the side of caution. I then withdrew that because really it was we were not sure. I'm going to put the word out shortly. There is no current data that ibuprofen is dangerous when you have um, COVID infection. The reason for the concern is that they, there was some concern in France that similar to the way aspirin reacts when children have viral syndromes, 
where they can get a, a, a syndrome called Rye syndrome that can cause liver disease or liver failure. There was some concern that ibuprofen would have the same effect on a COVID patient. So the French had made a statement, the French Health Ministry, that they had a concern. There have been anecdotal reports, but there's no clear data. I think right now, people probably should vie on the side of caution and use acetaminophen or Tylenol only. Uh, it's not a hard rule, but I am seeing that in certain institutions, certain hospitals. Dr. Fauci himself has said, who leads the task force, and by the way, everybody should be listening to him. He's brilliant, and I hope the president is listening to him. But Dr. Fauci himself has said that if he had COVID, he would take Tylenol, but he, he doesn't have any data to support it. I think until we know further, my opinion would be to hold back on using ibuprofen when you have COVID. All right, good piece of advice. And a lot of people, as you just said, have been discussing this. Even even people like myself way out of the medical field have heard this conversation go on. Uh, Dr. Dietrich, I thank you. Um, what can I say? You're one of the people that is a voice of reason in a very, very difficult time and is uh, helping to guide people who want to listen, who want to listen yeah. and who and, want... And keep the message positive. It's gonna Things are going to look bad certain days. They'll look good certain days. The only thing I'm asking people is please don't push institutions, government, to open things up yet. Let it get. You can get your food. You get your gas. Uh, you know, we're, we have everything we need for peso already. My wife has never been as prepared for peso as she is today. Well, I don't so, think that's the concern. I think the concern is people, you know, need to get back to work and then, right, you know, make economy. a living. I hear it. I hear it. And I, and I leave that to the experts. I'm not an economist. Uh, thank you, Dr. Dietrich. Continue your amazing work. And I thank you. Thanks, Malcolm. Take care. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. I mentioned a couple of times today is my father's 12th yard site, 28th of Adar. And I want to thank those who've been, uh, as I asked on Facebook, those who've been donating in his honor, Harav Zeb and Arisa Valevi, to our operation to keep us going. This is the only place that you can gather like this as a community on a daily basis with all the media sources and all of the podcasts and all of the everything that that exists these days this is the only place where live every single day we can gather for up-to-date conversations at whatever length we want um here at uh, at jm and the am um if you'd like to uh help support us and pay tribute to his memory harav zev and Yosef Alevi, fjbunity.org fjbunity.org and i thank you uh, we'll spend, as I said, most of the morning is going to be on the medical situation. Uh, that's how we're spending most of this morning. And uh, Dr. Menachem Maimon is going to join us from Seattle, Washington, coming up. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
Yeah, you know. 
Tuesday morning, JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at Mizrahi who are uh, simulcasting us as part of their virtual Beit Midrash. This is how we get things started. Before all the serious learning gets going, this is how everyone's morning starts with the virtual Beit Midrash from uh, World Mizrahi with us here at JM in the AM, and I thank them very much for that. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausages in Delhi is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Also, a reminder from our friends at Art Scroll, use promo code RADIO, both for the brand-new book about Rebetzin Jungreis, The Rebetzin, and the brand-new book, Borrowed by Crone, uh, at the Magid Seder. Uh, on both of those, save 15%. Save 15% when you use the promo code RADIO. Go to artscroll.com. Always use the promo code RADIO. It'll always be beneficial. Well, ever since we heard that... Um, the state of Washington was particularly hit by coronavirus, although I guess uh, we here in New York can now claim the, uh, unfortunately, the, the the victory in that department, if in fact it's a victory, or the distinction, I should say, thank you, better word, the distinction in that department. Uh, but ever since we heard about the state of Washington, we wanted to speak to uh, someone from our community out there who could tell us what they're feeling and going through um, on that side of the country. And uh, for obvious reasons, I thank uh, Dr. Menachem Maimon, who got up very early, uh, although probably in his capacity, he's probably up at this time anyway, frankly, uh, to join us. He's Associate Medical Director uh, for uh, 98.6.com, and he is in the Seward Park uh, neighborhood of Seattle, Washington, and joins us this morning here at JM in the AM. Dr. Maimon, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be participating in any way I can help. I appreciate that. First of all, t- tell us about the website. How, uh, it, w- when when times are normal, what is the role of ninety eight point six dot com? Well, yes, ninety eight point six is an app. There is also a website, but uh, it's really an app uh, designed to be used on phones. That um, is really a reimagining of uh, access to healthcare. In the, in the year 2020, uh, and it, we provide, uh, we aspire to provide comprehensive primary care. Uh, that's our, where we're marching to over the next uh, five, ten years. But uh, we we provide access to medical care uh, and through uh, the use of board board certified doctors. Uh, which means, if someone has an ailment or someone wants to start a doctor's visit, they literally can start at your site or your app. Exactly, we're taking text-based uh, medical care Interesting. right through your phone. A doctor in your pocket. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, my next question is, how does this compare to an actual doctor's visit? Or are you trying your best to close that gap and make this as close to an actual doctor's office visit as possible? That's a great question. So it depends who you ask. If you ask my parents, they're still not exactly sure what uh, exactly I'm doing. Um <laughs> But the reality is, um, in today's day and age, there's really very poor access to primary care doctors, to doctors in general, um, both to get information and to get treatment. So how does it compare? Uh, We share health-related information in circumstances. We prescribe medications. Uh, There are many different things we can do. But we, you know, right at this point, we're really a supplement to to doctors that that are brick and mortar. Right. I mean, I assume you can't do a strep test, you know, through an app. And I'm assuming you, you know, you can't see a patient's foot if it's infected through an app, at least not accurately, only through pictures and stuff. Right. I mean, would that be two good examples? 
Exactly. We, we can do some dermatologic care. Uh, some things are, are we're able to, to see through pictures, but, but those were two great examples. All right. What's been happening on the site and on the app since coronavirus broke out? Yeah, well, visits have doubled and tripled since the beginning of the year, and uh, we are working very hard to really keep people that don't need to be going to the emergency room and don't need to be going to the doctor's office uh, at home uh, where they should be in terms of isolating themselves and, and taking care of themselves in a, in a proper and safe manner, uh, really following the CDC guidelines very closely. If uh, we're providing support, yeah. If New York is now the epicenter of the United States when it comes to this, what was the epicenter of the state of Washington? What neighborhood or city was the epicenter in the state of Washington? Yeah, you may have read about the nursing home in Kirkland, Washington, right? Uh, which is over the lake uh, from from us. Yeah. So that's pretty close to where you are. Yep. And um, since when have you, I'm assuming you are under lockdown officially, the city, since when has that been? We, we've been basically under lockdown since the 12th of March, which is only, only, it's only 12 days. How long have you been under lockdown? So actually, Governor Inslee um, issued a stay-at-home stay order yesterday evening. But mm -hmm. the, the city of Seattle, we've, you know, everyone's been using isolation for the last week and a half, two weeks. Oh, so it's basically the same time frame in terms of what the rest of the country's been under. Uh, is there is there a lot of hope? Are there are there is there data and numbers that are suggesting that what's happening in your part of the country is already on the way down? Are the graphs still pointing up? How would you describe where Seattle or the state of Washington is right now? I think Seattle is in a similar place to the rest of the country in terms of testing, right? So uh, you know the country is struggling to get. Uh, accurate testing and to find the most accurate methods of testing. Um, and right now we are working to support really the healthcare workers uh, in area hospitals. And, and that's where, you know, you have to prioritize who's getting tested so you can, so you can provide, you know, the services that need to be provided. So we're working to contain it. I can't, I can't speak to, you know, whether – I don't think there's signs that it's been plateauing yet. I, I don't think we know the full scope of the, of the spread yet. Right. Understood. Dr. Maimon's with us from 98.6.com. I, I just don't know. That's why I'm asking, Can because I don't know how it works in the medical field. Can you now – and when I say you, I mean 98.6 and your app – can you now be a doctor for somebody outside of the state of Washington? Are you restricted to that state? Can someone in New York, you know, contact you guys and have the same type of medical session that, that people in your area of the country are having? Absolutely, yes. We, so we're about a four-year-old company, and our core doctors, there's about 50 of them now, uh, the, the, the strategy is we are licensed across the United States, so 50 states plus D.C., so we provide care across the nation and anybody uh, in, in any of the states can call us. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, this, so the, I mean, not the coronavirus is good for anybody, but you're one of those outfits that's seeing an increase in business because of coronavirus, frankly. We are providing a service to many, many people. Yes. And have you, yeah, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I'm just simply saying that there are people who, there are people who what they do every day is completely dead, and there are others who, thank God, are able to stay busy. It sounds like you're very busy right now, frankly. Uh, have, you in fact, yeah. have you, in fact, been hearing from coronavirus patients from around the country? Absolutely, yes. Since the beginning of, uh, well, middle January, end of January, we implemented some screening um, tools directly related to the CDC guidelines. So, 
right now, like I said, our, our visits have doubled and tripled since the beginning of the year, and about 40 percent, 35 to 40 percent of our visits are related to cor- coronavirus. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you have a specialist, I would assume, in every medical area on your site, on your app. We, we do not have specialists. Our, each of our doctors are board certified in, well, some are internal medicine, but family practice and emergency medicine. I myself am internal medicine and pediatrics. Got it. But, uh, yeah. Because if someone is in a unique situation medically, I, I would guess that to, to a degree you would still recommend, and, and you might actually do this when you speak with them through the app, you might recommend that they go see you know a specialist in that area. Correct. We, you know, we... We realize that we need to have very healthy boundaries in terms of what we, our scope of care, what we can do, and what we can't do. Right. Understood. And yeah, and just to to clarify, you're using the word speak, but we're all text based, uh, so it's really chat. You're chatting through an application in your, on your phone, and um, it it's really resonating with a wide demographic. I mean, most of our patients, 60% of our patients are between 25 and 55, but we have, you know, we've, our oldest patient has been over 89 years old. I would think that some people would prefer a face-to-face, even though it's screen-to-screen. Is that an option, or, or, or that's not happening there yet? So some states, actually, about two-thirds of the states require that we do a, a video visit quickly in order uh, to establish care. Interesting. So video is is uh, a, an option, and occasionally our doctors use it if, you know, we want to get a glimpse of, of the patient. So could we view 98.6 as a practice? Would that be the way of putting it? It's basically a medical practice. Oh. It's, it is definitely a medical and, practice. And when yeah. someone – Nationwide. And when an, and I'm asking this with the greatest of respect, but obviously it's something that we need to get used to here. It's a new – you know, for us it's a new thing. Um, if somebody would uh, – if, if an insurance company and or a radiation facility, you know, was, was requested to – for a patient – it was requested by you for a patient, for instance, to have an MRI or some type of specialty exam, you would be treated the same way any other medical personnel will be treated in this country, right? They, they, they would take it very seriously. Correct. We can order tests. Uh, we, can, we have a pilot study going on in terms of radiologic studies. Um, so that's not a, um, something we do on a regular basis yet, but uh, we will get there. But we do uh, order lab tests. You know, lab quests and, and quests across the country. Very cool. Dr. Maimon's with us, 98.6. How's the Seattle Jewish community doing? People always ask me, you know, from around the country, how New York is doing. How would you describe how the Seattle Jewish community is doing? I think uh, we are working to do the best we can. As a matter of fact, yesterday morning I attended a Zoom bar mitzvah for the first time. <laughs> it's a, it's a fill-in day for the bar mitzvah boy. <laughs> did you bring your Did you bring your own food and drink? <laughs> <laughs> I had to take off before the uh, the, the kiddish, unfortunately. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you'd have made sure to uh, to transport something from your kitchen to the celebration. Look, this is what we're this is where we're at now, and thank God we have this technology to say the least. And honestly, you know, coronavirus or not, thank God we have this technology because you're a really, I mean, that somebody knows that they're in their home, and instead of waiting for an appointment for three four days or trying to get through to a doctor's office three four days, if they know they can get immediate service from you, that's a pretty good feeling. Absolutely. I, and again, we're 24-7, so any time of the day in the, in any of the 50 states in Washington, D.C. And uh, I will say right now our wait times are certainly longer than average. Uh, usually we are lightning fast compared to brick and mortar, but 
right now, another example of our response, right now we're, we're looking to hire 20 to 30 part-time doctors per week wow. to help us with the volume. Well, there are doctors, yeah. there's doctors in this audience. What should they do? Just log on to your website? Absolutely. It's the number 98, the word point, and then the number 6. And the website is .com. Yeah. And, and they can uh, let you know that they're interested in pursuing something like that. Um, and Correct. by the way, I'm assuming even with the lag, I, I would assume if someone contacts you, you're you're getting back to them certainly the same day, right? Oh, we're not getting back to them. We're having a literal. No, no. I'm I'm saying you said the wait time is is large, but if someone does make contact with you today, they will have an opportunity at some point today to speak with you. Oh yes, right. and we again we are a healthcare tech startup, so right. we use notifications. Right. Uh, you don't have to be in the app. You'll get a notification when the doctor's ready. Yeah. Very cool. Dr. Menachem Maimon, he's out there in the uh, Seward Park uh, neighborhood of Seattle. You heard what he had to say about what our uh, brethren in Seattle are going through, and uh, he is spending a good amount of time every single day. Your shifts are now how long? Traditionally, uh, not traditionally, meaning now during this virus, your shifts are about how long each time? Four to eight hours. Wow. Uh, 98.6.com, 98, the number is 98 point, the word point, 6, the number is 6.com, 98.6.com. He's associate medical director of this uh, both website and app. You could check it out, certainly, if it helps you with symptoms, et cetera. I didn't realize, you know, you, I, I came, I, you came on, and I, I did want to speak about Washington State, which we did, and obviously the community out there. But now that you've, you've uh, told us that you've, uh, you have opportunities to help people in this area, you know what's going on here in New York. You may actually... They get a couple of people today who uh, uh, from this audience who would like to check on their symptoms or, or check that they're you know that they're doing what they need to do medically to stay healthy. Well, we're really uh, we're we're really in in favor of all innovation because the healthcare system needs help. And right now, uh, as we struggle with coronavirus, it's important to, to not have doc- have anybody go to the hospital or a right. doctor's office if they don't need to because we want to make sure we're using our, our resources uh, you know efficiently across the country 100 percent dr Maimon, I thank you best regards to everybody out in the Northwest my pleasure have a wonderful day and keep healthy and safe I'm main to that uh, you as well dr Menachem Maimon at the uh, 98.6.com and I thank him for joining us yeah it's us. It's those 3,000 miles away. It's those 6,000 miles away. It's everybody around the entire globe facing this uh, enemy that's called coronavirus. Um, I wanted to mention Sivan Rahav Meir is going to join us. Uh, the Mizrahi is going to be leaving us in the next couple of minutes with their virtual bait midrash. So if you want to make sure to hear my conversation with Sivan Rahav Meir live here at JMNAM, go to NachumSiegel.com, NSN, NachumSiegel Network app. Or, of course, you could use our listen line at 605-562-4400, 605-562-4400. More coming up. It's JM and the AM with Danny Palgon. Rap 
Jam in the AM. Going a little overtime this morning as we have the opportunity to speak with Sivan Rahav Meir, noted journalist, author, and as many of you know, uh, somebody who was uh, part of the uh, World Mizrahi organization in her case and her husband Yedidya's case, Shluchim, to the uh, United States of America 
uh, since August of this year. And what an interesting year it's been for Sivan and her family. Shalom, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom, Nechum, and good morning. Good morning to you. One of the most difficult people to reach. You are one of the busiest people around. And boy, these days, you must be very busy. I'm assuming people in Israel uh, are curious um, what's happening here in the New York area. And I assume you're still reporting every single day back to Israel, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, when you were looking for me five minutes ago, I was really recording a report for the Israeli TV. It's already three there. And basically, you know, we were sent to the States uh, a year ago. We thought, you know, it's going to be like a fun, exciting year. <laughs> Since the beginning of the year, all I'm doing is reporting, you know, about, about anti-Semitism. And now I'm covering the corona so for the people of Israel. I added, so, uh, a, I added a couple of things for you. Don't forget, you also had to shuttle back and forth for three elections. Oh, yeah, yeah, and flying back for the elections. You're right. I think the, the only exception, the only positive day, you know, when I covered different things for the people in Israel was when I uh, attended the, the Seum at the MetLife Stadium. Right. That was, you know, something with a different spirit. But, right. but that's all, basically. No question about it. And then we got, And then we had the opportunity to celebrate together in Yerushalayim. And by the way... That was exactly when it started. The first case of coronavirus in China was December 31st, January 1st, just as this was all going on with, wow, the, with, right, the, with right, the CUM. Yeah. Uh, Sivan Rahab Meir is with us. Um, I mean, I assume, you know, when, when it was announced that you and your husband are coming to the United States, I and many others tried to book you immediately. And I know there were hundreds and hundreds of requests from around North America to have you visit and speak and inspire everybody. I'm assuming... I mean, there's no schedule now. At this at this point, at, at this point, all your lectures have been postponed for a while. Yeah, it's really, really frustrating. We built a whole schedule with Rabbi Doron Peretz, the leader of Mizrahi movement, uh, Rabbi Ruben Taragin, and many great people there. We built a beautiful full schedule. And when I look every morning, you know, when I wake up here, um, I can still see, you know, what was planned. For right. example, today I was supposed to be in the beautiful community. Of Palo Alto. This Shabbat, I was supposed to be at uh, in in Toronto. I can show you, you know, everything. I don't want to delete it since every day I still want to see, you know, what were the plans. And then I go and wake, uh, have to, you know, make five kids get dressed and daven and learn something different. Uh, I'm a scholar in residence in in my kitchen, basically. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the situation. That's the challenge, but you know, people are facing much harder challenges. Yeah. And by the way, we're switching. Everything is transformed into Zoom. Yeah. This new, new, we're using it. So many communities. Um, and this is just the first. You know, this is. I, I'm talking to you now. I think it's the only conversation over the phone since afterwards. There's a huge project. Project. Uh, the Bet Midrash, the Mizrahi movement, opened the virtual Bet Midrash, and and other. There are so many other organizations and many. Many projects now involving onla- online learning. It's it's new for me, and it's, it's it's exciting. And I'm proud to say that we are the uh, first show of the morning for the Mizrahi World Bait Midrash every morning between 7 and 9 o'clock. So Baruch Hashem, yeah, yeah, saw, we are part of it. Sivan, um, a-, a couple of details I'm curious about. Um, if-, if you would have been stuck in Israel, would they have let you leave in order to, to reunite with your children? I guess so. There is still, I mean, this line, you know, JFK and Ben Gurion Airport, it's not closed. I know there are full flights uh, almost every, every day now. It's still it's still available. But if you go to Israel, you have to be quarantined for 14 days. Right. 
although I must tell you what we're doing here now, it's it's quite the same. I mean, uh, we're, we don't leave the house at all. Uh, we keep all the instructions. We we follow the Israeli policy, which is much more, you know, in Israel there are more machmirim, and I think they're right. I mean, it's uh, and we we try to you know to really follow all the rules and, and instructions now. I think it's that it's like a mitzvah what you're doing now. It's 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 holy. It's important. And I think Nachum, it, it's a new type of Mesirut Nefesh. You know, we were used to hear all those stories about the Holocaust, about the uh, pogroms and anti-Semitism, about our forefathers' Mesirut Nefesh. I think if you don't go out, you know, to Central Avenue, that's Mesirut Nefesh. Now we live in five towns. Right. If you don't, if you don't hug your grandmother, it's Mesirut Nefesh. Okay, we are writing a new chapter in our history. And, you know, future generations, they will look at us, they will read about us, and they will ask, okay, what did they do? How did they react? So, of course, davening, also davening alone at home, no, yeah. no minion here for, for two weeks, yeah. uh, uh, educating the kids. It's the first time I have to tell the kids about the Seder night, about Lela Seder, because there is no Gananet, no Mora, no teacher, and no Rebbe that will do it instead of us. We, we're supposed to the Levincha. In the most natural way, it's it's a new thing. I think it's it's important. No question uh, about it. You know, no hotels. I'm sure so many people see it as the worst gzeira now. No <laughs> hotels. We have to clean our house, you know, and we hear we hear awful things about what's going on in certain Jewish communities. So, so yeah, it's it's a new. I think, as I said, it's a new mesirut nefesh to to all of us. Um, Sivan Rahav Meir is with us. Can you? And your family travel to Israel if you wish. I think you're among the few that can because you're actual residents of Israel, right? Yeah, yeah. We have all the documents. Of course, we're, we will be able to to do that. And I'll, I'll share. You know, it's maybe it's too personal, but we're, we're discussing it every day. We spoke to many people. We thought leaving now before Lela Seder is too crazy. You know, to be quarantined and then during Lela Seder, we'll, we'll think about it again after. After Pesach, for now, we feel quite safe. We're here alone in the house, isolated. We, we hardly go out. Uh, we're here for like two, three weeks, uh, and then we'll we'll see. But it's you know, it's funny to say two, three weeks because every day things change. I mean, yeah. planning something it's it's the funniest thing now to just plan something for the next next month. So uh, we're trying to plan, you know, to look at each day separately. Um, I, I do teach a lot for, from here. People are welcome to follow on social media and to get, you know, the, the messages in Hebrew and English. And we do, you know, we're, we're here. It's, we're learning. You know, I, I learned so many new things about my kids, about myself. It's, uh, it's a challenging period. Are you uh, happy with the way the schools are handling things? Are, the, are your children, those of school age, still able to uh, connect with their friends through Zoom, etc.? Yeah, I just wanted to say, after saying, I have to prepare them for the state, and I, I must thank the teachers, the great Moros and the, the Rebels. They're in touch every day. They they talk over the phone. They call in person to, to our kids, you know, just to talk to them. It's beautiful. Every day they have a full schedule. Sometimes it's too much. I need them for, the you know, for cleaning. <laughs> they, they have homework. My daughter just had a test yesterday. I'm like, what? <laughs> the whole world is... You know, dealing with the coronavirus, and you, you have a test now? <laughs> it's a very serious system. I want to thank all those teachers, and I know they do it in Israel, too. Uh, they, they, you know, it's, it's important. It, and we say in Hebrew, The yep. world needs their, their learning now. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, 
It's part of the cure, the remedy. All right, two serious things, and I'll let you go. You, we started the conversation. You mentioned the anti-Semitism was obviously a big theme when, when the school year began. We all remember what happened in September and October in this country. Um, are you worried, and do people in Israel ask you about the uh, possibility of greater anti-Semitism here as our, our community continues in some segments to behave in a certain way and as, frankly— uh, because of the way we live and 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 how much time we spend together, uh, the coronavirus has really hit the Jewish community of this area. Yeah, it's awful. I hear about what's going on in Crown Heights and in our other areas of Brooklyn. It's really really sad. And Avizlat Hashem, I I'm, look. I'm not an expert. I covered that thing for twice. I, I recorded two reports to Israel about anti-Semitism. Now, what I see, you know, I saw this video in this garage. Or it's not something very serious. I think. Um, um, we're still, we still live in a very positive, I would say, period. It's, it's still very optimistic. Since in the past, anti-Semitism, it was part of the, of the policy of the, the government. It was right. something, you know, from official. Okay? Right. If we look back, people say, oh, is this Germany? No, look, look back to what's, what was going on in Germany or in Poland. That was part of the official policy. Anti-Semitism was, you know, and now, and of course, uh, we, we we see anti-Semitism here here and there, but but uh, the, the police is against it. The, the country, the government is is, is working hard uh, in order to you know to prevent those those uh, things from happening. So so I think we moved forward. We can't uh, compare it to to you know all, all those chapters in our history. But yeah, as always, it's always a it's always a threat. And by the way, it's quite natural, you know, with the crisis. And I know I know we're suffering so much. Because of the way we're built in this crazy world that was isolated even before the coronavirus, we um, were really we had that that different way, this alternative way of living. We still believe in that concept called community, yep. called shul, called being together. I'm proud of it. Now it's not the right time for that, but let's not forget these are great things we we still do. The rest of the world left uh, you know that that sense of solidarity of avuta dadit. So I'm proud to be a part of the. No Jewish community, but now we have to. Yeah, we we have to stop it for for a while. By the way, before I ask you the last question, I have to point out um, <laughs> when, when there's a six hour time difference, it's easier for me to hear your and you did your show on Friday because of my mm. because of my schedule. So these are a couple of weeks where I'm able to hear it. And last week, he had a brilliant presentation. I don't know if I could have done it better as an American Jewish person who knows. He had a brilliant presentation describing what synagogue life is in America and how different it is than Israel. How so much of major communities completely revolve around the shul to a degree that, that in Israel they wouldn't believe to what degree it happens. And I thought that was a brilliant way. Please let him know that, that I, that I, that I appreciated it. Uh, the final question, look, Sivan, for us, you're somebody who knows you know, the community across the board. Uh, you know the the um, non-religious community in Israel well. You know the the uh, Tzioni or the uh, the Mizrahi community in Israel well. You know the Haredi community in Israel well. What do you think when you see people in Israel, segments of the population, fighting with police about getting off the street into their homes, insisting that their Beit Midrash stay open, insisting that Minyanim take place? What are your thoughts when you see that? Look, of course, I'm sad. I saw a few videos. It looks awful. I'm, in a way, I'm glad um, I don't have to cover it now, you know, in, in Israel. But as always, it, it, I, I don't believe that. It, it, it really, it's, uh, 
it represents maybe less than 1% of the population, you know. Uh, in, it says that we, in the, on the news every night, you know, we say good evening, but then we prove to you for an hour why it's not a good one. Okay, we say, you know, everything's bad. So, of course, we focus on the negative things, but, but on the other hand, Nahum, I can't, uh, you know, just ignore it. Usually when there's something negative going on in any sector, not just about the Haredim, any sector, so I say, okay, that's just the minority, I don't want to cover it since it doesn't represent, you know, the majority, the mainstream. Now, and that's another important lesson the coronavirus teaches us, now I can't ignore even one crazy person in like, an extreme neighborhood since we're all one buddy, it's this solidarity. We need him too. It's a beautiful, I think, once again, it's a beautiful message. Uh, we, we, we are so responsible, you know. Each and every person is, is basically must take care of himself and, and, and he can affect the whole world. So I can't ignore it. The police works very hard. It's not only in the Haredi community. I saw Chiloni secular people on, uh, you know, at the beach on Shabbat. We saw uh, many events. Unfortunately, we see it sometimes. And I'm glad to see the police and even the army. If we need the idea for that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a security mission. And yeah. I hope here in the States they'll be as serious as, as in Israel. Yeah, in those neighborhoods that need it, I'm sure they will be. By the way, you know that um, for my family, your Divrei Torah uh, is something that happens every Shabbat through your amazing book. And what you wrote this week for Vayakel about the enthusiasm that Jews unfortunately had to contribute to the Egel and the same enthusiasm that they had to contribute to the Mishkan, I thought was beautiful. And and we're seeing so much chesed, so much volunteerism, so much love for brothers and sisters. I think that's the best note to end on, right? Wow. Well, thank you for reminding me, you know, of what <laughs> I wrote. I, I, don't, I hardly have time to, you know, with the kids all day, but thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, we have that enthusiasm, we have that devotion. It's chazal say. I mean, our nation, they can be at the top when it comes to, to positive things when it comes to building the Ishkan, but unfortunately we can use the same energy uh, in order to build the Egil, and it's our decision, you know, we should choose, are we building a Mishkan now, you know, we're the direction of holiness, of, of Dusha, of being together, the family of Torah and Mitzvot, or do we take all the energy, the great energy we have, in order to build Egil as a have right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we know what's the right thing to do. Sivan, best regards. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, and I guess I'll say Chag Kasher V'Sameach to you at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope to speak to you next time in, you know, other circumstances. Bezrat Hashem. Todaraba. Thank you. Todaraba. Sivan Rahav Meir. Brilliant presentation as usual, and I thank you very, very much. And yeah, her husband this past Friday, uh, Yedidya Meir, had such, in Hebrew, had such a perfect analysis for those in Israel that he was speaking to who, who can't relate to it. In Israel, very, very often, and not always, but very often, the synagogue is literally just the place you go to, to daven. And uh, events in Shiurim, you know, often take place in other facilities, etc. Um, but here, I mean, in our major shuls, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hub of activity day and night uh, of all types. So uh, he made that point, and I thought it was really uh, done very well. Uh, by the way, they have officially postponed the uh, uh, Summer Olympic Games, which is unbelievable. They now are hoping to uh, to use the um, end of summer 2021 as the deadline to hold the games. If that doesn't... Um... 
yet yet something else that describes the severity of the situation. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Tuesday. Thank you to Dr. Dietrich. Thank you to Dr. Maimon. Thank you to Sivan Rahav Meir. Thanks to all of you who stuck with us through overtime. And now you get the reward of having amazing programming on your uh, app and on your uh, computer and on your phone all day long right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Avrami's alive at 11 a.m. Eastern time with the live lunch. Make sure to join him for that. And I thank all of you for tuning in. A big thank you to those who've donated to fjbunity.org in memory of my father, whose yard site is today fjbunity.org fjbunity.org a big thank you to anybody who has donated um in memory of my father it's much appreciated have a fabulous tuesday till tomorrow i'll reminding you remember to pass live the present and trust the future